0: Chuck Norris's Bible study will not be seen this evening, so that we may bring you this other subpar program. Hey everybody, this week on the program, Matt Pryor, the front man from the Get Up Kids, the New Amsterdam's, and so much more is my guest. We talk about everything from playing Midwest shows and coming up in that whole emo scene to all sorts of different things. Uh, I hope you enjoy and don't forget to head over to Uncle Ron's drive where there's all sorts of content, all sorts of old episodes. I've been uploading classic episodes that haven't been on Spotify that you should probably check out like Joe Bob Briggs or Darcy the Mail girl, uh, Conan Neutron uh, from Conan Neutron and the secret friends, Dave Arkari who is a Scottish bluesman. Just all sorts of amazing conversations that you should be checking out. So head over to Uncle ronsdrivein.com to check all of those out and we'll be right back. This is the Ron Perti show. Got it. Uh, but yeah, no, I remember I don't remember who you were on tour with. Um, but it, you guys played the UW Madison like student union. So that I don't
1: I think we were on tour with Mineral. It was either well, I don't know, because it wasn't it
0: with Promise Ring and Rainer Marina. Rainer Maria? It might have been Rainer Maria, but I don't remember. I think promise. Ring. Ring. I, I, for some reason, I thought Gloria Record was maybe there. Well, then it would have been Mineral because that would have been pre-Gloria Record. Gloria yeah. Record happened until. After. No, this is this is like long after something to write home about came out. Oh
1: well, then it would have been something else entirely. I thought you were, there was one that was in the '90s that we played like outside.
0: Oh no, uh, this was inside and in like, a, and it was really dark. It almost looked like a. It almost looked like a high, like a high school dance. Huh. Yeah,
1: I don't know that I remember that. I, I mean, you got you
0: guys kicked in, and everything was sounding great, and then suddenly I just got like this huge headache right in the front of my head while you guys were playing, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I want to. see Every time I, there's a band, I want to see something happens. Like I wanted to see National Skyline at the Metro Cubs had a home game that night, and it's like uh-huh. so I couldn't get in. You, I mean, you know, you know how that works. You're from yeah. the Midwest, you know. know. It's horrible. are you from Wisconsin? I am. I am okay. born and raised in Racine. Got it. So I'm from that like Milwaukee scene. So Ooh. yeah. But um, now I'm, when I was talking to Chris Simpson, he said that you guys opened for mineral in, I want to say Kansas, and you weren't called the get up kids. No. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, not... no, you were like called like the suburban get up kids or something like that. No. Um, no. The suburban. I mean, <sighs>
1: trying to think i don't i don't think we opened for mineral i think we would have been if if we did open for them in kansas city we may have opened for them at the daily place called the daily grind i don't really recall there's this one show that we have you can find it on youtube but it's a uh it's at this club called the daily grind it was right after ryan had joined the band and rob and jim had their prom that night and so they actually pulled up to the venue in a limo got out they were in their you know, suits, and they right, played right. the show, and then they fucked off to prom, and that, <laughs> that may have been it, but there is a term, Suburban Get Up Kids, which is a song, I was in a band before Get Up Kids called Secular Theme, and they had a song called Suburb, that band had a song called Suburban Get Up Kids, and so, and it was kind of about, like, kids like the Popes and Jim, who came in from the suburbs, and came into the city, and went to shows and stuff it wasn't like derogatory or anything but right <clears throat> when we when that kind of name got floated around I was adamant about not putting suburban <laughs> in the name because I'm a <laughs> snob like
0: that but aren't we all like aren't we all like suburban now that we're older you know like I live in a suburb I mean now. I live
1: I mean, in a college town
0: so fair fair yeah I'm, I'm a little bit south of a college town I used to hang out in a college town all the time
1: yeah was, I, I mean I'm economic, not really but- in- I'm not in a huge city or anything, but I'm not. I'm not in the suburbs. I'm in like close to downtown of the college town. There are suburbs here, and I, I will say I thought of myself as being an urban kid, even though the part of town that I grew up in was actually like the first suburb, because it was like the first like planned community outside of of downtown Kansas City, and it right, right. it just it's just old enough that it seems like it's part of the KC Metro now so
0: oh okay that makes sense did you ever go to atomic records when you were coming through town uh yeah i think so i miss it so much i miss it so much it was i mean what is it about those like record stores that are just like they feel like they're a part of you
1: well the one in kansas city i actually used to work at uh it was called recycled sounds that was downtown and uh i actually started working there after we started touring And Anne, the owner, who's no longer with us, she was like, hey, do you want a job? And I was like, you know, I'm gone, like, most of the time. She's like, no, that's fine. (laughs) Just work when you're here. I think she wanted to have, like, people in bands and and DJs and stuff like that, like, working at the shop. Like, it gave it some, like, credibility. So it was, like, me, this, like, you know, DJ nerd, this, like, metal guy, uh, a girl who who was, like, really into, like, Liz Fair and Elliot Smith, like, really, like kind of what's what was that character on mtv that was uh uh daria oh yeah 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 Yeah, it was kind of like that girl so there was a a little bit of of everything there but i i I love a good i mean we still have one here in lawrence that's called love garden that survived i mean they're thriving now because of the vinyl boom but they survived for a long time by like finding collectible things and selling them on ebay so they had like a whole like like uh digital component and as well as like a right. order store
0: yeah like we have a one that opened a few like a year or two before the pandemic here in racine and um when the pandemic hit they would just do like okay we're closed but if you want to buy records you have to pay for them ahead of time and then we'll be right we'll give them to you at the door type thing right and, and then to, to cut costs they're like sharing space as a soap store now but they're still at it They're still they're still kicking butt and I love to see it.
1: I have found at least and I don't know if this is true nationwide, but in this town, because like our downtown is like hmm, it's 11th to 6th Street. It's like it's only like five blocks long. Right. Mm -hmm. And rent's really high. And so there actually are a lot of like closed businesses. But the ones that seem to work are the ones that are like really niche. Like there's a uh, a really boutique bookstore that like specializes in mystery novels there's uh a place that sells like collect it's called 1313 mockingbird lane and it sells like collectibles and like horror movie stuff
0: oh that's awesome
1: and then there's you know uh, love garden which is the local used record store there's like there's a candle shop that's been there for forever that's all it's all just like local specific hyper niche stuff and then like you know someone puts in a generic boutique and it's just like
0: <laughs> there it goes Yeah, well, you just sell shirts. What are you doing here? But uh, I got to tell you, something to write home about actually has the ability to change someone's life, and I've seen it with my own eyes. (laughs) Change (laughs) mine. My, I used to work at. I don't know if you're a video gameist. I'm not,
1: but I, I, my,
0: my, my kids are, so I know a lot of. There was a a an old shop back in the day called Funko Land, and it was. Yeah, it was around the time when something to write home about came out, and I was a big is there, fan. Is there and- a documentary
1: about that place?
0: There might be. I don't know. I know it's GameStop now. So, okay. um, yeah, but so I worked to Funko Land and right down the, the little, uh, I guess, the the strip mall way. Was Big Apple Bagel and then uh, a CD warehouse, and they would sell you CDs and stuff like that. And the manager at the time would special order me stuff. Like I remember I, I'd special order like early death cab and stuff like that. And then uh, he listened to, to you guys' record and he was like mesmerized by, by it. And he was, uh, you could like, almost see tears in his eyes watching, uh, listening to I'll Catch You. And this guy's like managing a dock and cover band. So it's like, it's weird to see. That sounds sick. Yeah, and I actually ran the door for them one uh, one right before the pandemic really hit. And it was, I was like, if you're not going to play Dream Warriors, I just don't care. Right. You know, but uh, yeah. It and-
1: wasn't, wasn't Dream Warriors. Was that Dockin? Yeah, like that was, was on the Nightmare on Elm Street
0: was? 3 uh, soundtrack.
1: But then the one on uh, on 4 was the
0: Vinnie Vincent invasion. yes uh, i believe so yeah
1: with uh mark slaughter and uh two of the guys from slaughter were in that
0: band (laughs) Oh look what things have have ventured into um now you're you've got kids um Mm. when you go out on tour how hard is it to to be away from them like especially if it's like the first time like since they've been born is it is it more Uh, stressful it's
1: it's it's absolutely horrible i hate you know it it it, uh Like, okay, like I started touring when my wife was in college uh, mm-hmm. and she was going to school in Boston, hence all the Boston references in my lyrics,
0: yeah.
1: And our relationship is kind of built on being away from each other. And like, you know, we don't prefer that, but it's like, we know how to do it. And, but then as soon as my daughter was born, which will be 20 years ago in April, uh, it just, it it threw me how difficult it was to leave like there was a tour bus parked in front of my house and i didn't want to leave my room like i was like so just incredibly like heartbroken to leave because i left for tour i think it's 5 weeks after she was born because we had the we had the tour booked you know we were we were on like a work schedule you know
0: right and did like like i now correct me if i'm wrong but I read somewhere that some stuff went down in Australia when you were on tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you, could you, do you care to talk about that or is that something that's like a raw nerve? It's
1: it's fine. You can get more into it. If you want to listen to the vagrant uh, podcast that we've been doing. Um, But essentially in a nutshell, I was getting ready to have a second kid. The band was touring, trying to tour, 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 and like stay at it. And I was depressed and I was in a really dark place and I needed a break and essentially i asked the band if we could take a break and they said we either do it 100% or we don't do it at all and i said well then i guess we don't do it at all wow and then i quit the band for 3 years
0: but and but you guys are, are back together now it's uh or are you like are you is it reunion stuff is it like i mean how no, I mean, are we No i mean we we
1: we got back together in 2009 so like we we've actually been together now longer than we were in the the first time before i quit the band cuz we've and been you together see-
0: do you see things like are things like looked at differently with like like a more mature eye in regards to what like when you're when touring and like the whole being away from family do you guys do they look at it as more of a less less of a like all or nothing and are are able to kind of see where things are yeah and
1: like a lot of them have kids now too so it's they have a, a little bit more perspective i mean <clears throat> I was the first my wife and I were the first people that any of us knew who had, who had kids. I mean, I was 23 Is that right? That kid I was 25 when my daughter was born.
0: That's so, still kind of uh, young though. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah.
1: 23 when I got married, 25 when my daughter was born.
0: But that's I can I can understand how a lot of that is like kind of weighs down on you, too. You got the wife and your second kid and all that's got a I got that's got a.
1: Well, if yes. And if we hadn't been already successful, it wouldn't have been worth pursuing.
0: You know what I mean? Right.
1: But the fact of the matter is at that time, you know, that's when that tour that we went on right after she was born was the on a wire tour, which was like basically. Cash as as mixed reviews is on a wire got, it was cashing in on all the hard work we had done on something we were at home about. Right. And so right. it was like the biggest shows that we ever headlined and the most money we ever made. And so it's kind of like, well, it doesn't make sense for me to stop being in a band. You know, like exactly. I, don't have, yeah, no. I don't have any other discernible skills. I'm just a high school <laughs> graduate, you know. Like I don't have any experience or anything. I started touring literally as soon as I got out of high school.
0: Well, I mean, it was a it was a, a a good thing because I mean, you know, here we are. And, uh, I'm, you've put out some music that has probably not just changed your life and Mike at the CD store's life either. So, I mean, that's, uh, and despite what you, you may, what critics may say about on a wire, I think it's a fantastic record. I think it's, it was, it was, I, I was at first I was kind of like, wow, this is different. And then I was like, Oh, this is really, really good. What was the difference? Like what, like was going through your head when you started writing songs for on a wire?
1: uh well I mean we were listening to a lot of like more like rock and roll stuff like you know we were listening to the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and 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 uh stuff like that we we had met the 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 guy uh, everybody in the anniversary and they were more into like classic rock and stuff and uh honestly it also had gotten to a point where it was just kind of like we we felt like we were weren't being very creative like thing things would come up and it would be like you know like okay we're going to do a cover for a comp and it's like all right we'll put octave chords in the chorus and do the halftime at the end and it's just kind of like well <laughs> so when we went into wire it was like you know everybody was writing everybody submitted songs for that record um and uh uh it was like no octave chords no halftime don't be afraid to use acoustic guitars uh let's get some like Hammond b3 going in there and we decided to work with a producer who was like he didn't give a shit about what we sounded like before which I'm sorry if I keep clearing my throat um I can mute Myself. No no you're
0: fine you're fine I like to keep this very real for people because you know it's every time I talk to to someone that I I've looked up to for a while I end up like it's like oh god I've they never thought I'd be able to talk to these people and then when I finally do it's like oh wait they're just real people you yeah. know so it's like so go ahead and and clear your throat and take a drink and and uh you're fine you're fine
1: um well we decided to work with a producer who who didn't really give a shit about our 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 previous work and so from a you know business perspective that's not the best idea in the world you know but uh you know it's what we wanted at the time
0: did you so you uh you actively went like so searched out somebody besides ed
1: well we didn't make any records with ed we just did like um like EPs and like uh, songs for compilations and stuff with that. And then we did all okay, the, all the, a lot of the demos for on a wire with Ed. Um, but everybody thinks Ed did something right at home about, but he didn't. <laughs> You're getting all this credit, Ed. Oh, he's, um, he, he, he's not in the game anymore, but he got a lot of work out of that.
0: Well, hey, I, I take it where you can get it, I suppose. Yeah, that's the best way to look at it. Now, when you started doing New Amsterdam's, Mm -hmm. was that i'm assuming that the songwriting for that that project was way more personal than anything you brought to the get-up kids
1: no uh no it was it it was just more um uh it was intentionally simpler you know what i mean like it wasn't any less any less personal um but it was kind of like i you know, in, in those years of touring and playing with bands and then, you know, hearing like I kind of just got sick of our scene to a certain degree and not like sick, like a, I hate it, just like kind of like, OK, I want to I need to clean out my ears kind of. And uh, right. our sound guy at the time got me really into a lot of like alt country kind of stuff and, you know, introduced me to to like when well, we were already listening to Wilco, but like introduced me to like stuff like the Jayhawks and, and Steve Earle and Towns Van Zandt and like more like singer songwriter kind of stuff and I was really just taken aback by it because it was so lyric driven you know what right. I mean like it, it was less about like how loud can you be and if anything it was about being like how quiet can you be and still be like really powerful and so that's what I was trying to accomplish and also I write a lot and so <clears throat> I always have and i really wanted to see if i could prove to myself that i could make a record on my own like without you know uh i, I didn't i wanted to to see if i could do it without not just this band but like any band you know what i mean right like,
0: no i totally get that it's something that you, it's almost, it's like it's something you had to prove to yourself yeah to anybody and else and also
1: i i was listening to, to like a lot of really different stuff and you know uh so that i think you hear that on a wire too where like the kind of like more acoustic and lyric driven stuff like the the kind of like grooves and guitar stuff is like really more the guys and like what like kind of the more classic rock stuff that they were listening to but like things like overdue like overdue is supposed to be a new amsterdam song which if you listen to it you can kind of go like well i could see that you know right (laughs) um So, I mean, you can hear that in in that record as well.
0: I know Grunge Pig ended up on a lot of my mixes at that time. Really? Yeah.
1: That's such a stupid name for a song. It's something our (laughs) booking agent called it. And he was like... Why did he call it that? I don't know. He said it sounded like Neil Young. And he's like, (laughs) call it Grunge Pig. And I was like, I can't think of a better name. So it was always just like on, you know, on the track listings. Because, you know, you name songs like stupid shit until you figure out what you're going to actually title them so like uh there's a song on uh on our last record problems that's called fair weather friend and for the longest time we were just calling it chapel hill because we thought it sounded like you know super chunk archers the loaf like 90s like 90s nostalgia kind of stuff right but we're like we can't actually call this chapel hill and have a big jay mascus style guitar solo in it like that would just be
0: too too obvious yeah way too on the nose i think just way too on the nose <laughs> are you are you are you i just gotta ask are you drinking out of a mason jar yeah see i i you're the second person today i've seen drinking out of a mason jar
1: it's actually a ball jar
0: but oh but it's a jar nonetheless yeah yeah because uh at, at the old day job one of the higher ups uh whenever we have a a zoom meeting He's always drinking out of a out of a jar, and I thought that was like I, I think it's inherently a Midwest thing, isn't it?
1: Well, it's really practical because I, I do do a lot of canning in the summer, and uh-huh. I grow a lot of, of vegetables and stuff. And then I used to drink wine out of like nice wine glasses, and then we got this dog that had this old hound dog that had this massive tail, and she would just knock every wine glass over and just break them and spill them, and then we're just like, okay, we'll just drink out of sturdier stuff. <laughs>
0: Whatever works, right? Whatever, yeah. whatever keeps the wine in the glass. Um, now you're the first. Like I gotta ask this because I've been asking a lot of people this lately who have were in the scene. What are your thoughts on? I'm not saying it you are, but what are your thoughts on being kind of lumped into the emo scene and using having that term used about um, you?
1: You know, early on, I didn't like the term emo, and it was because when we were growing up, it was a derogatory term, right? And I mean, like, it was like fucking emo kids, you know, like, like pop punk and hardcore kids would make fun of us. And so it wasn't crazy when it became like, uh, you know, the marketing term (laughs) for the genre, (laughs) but, uh, and also there was this thing, there's this really great podcast called hit parade. um, And they just did a whole two part episode on, on like, punk pop punk and emo and it was kind of like when they got to the emo it was like no one likes the name emo because it's like okay so this is emotional you know core like emotional like punk music and it's just like so why don't we just call it punk then you know what i mean like why is it why do we have to have a whole nother word for it you know what i mean and yeah uh, especially one that just sounds so like i don't know you just got real blurry did i just give yourself a filter
0: no, I don't think so. Oh, wait, hold on.
1: There you there
0: go. We, there we go. Yeah, you got to. Um, sometimes you just got to give it a away. A really pasty balance. Okay. Yeah.
1: The, you know, at some point down the line, uh, I just kind of accepted it. You know what I mean? And then I, I like it a little better when we get called second wave emo, which seems to be the good one. <laughs> you know, like it's just kind of like, which, right. is, which and then I really kind of, kind of uh accepted it and and was almost like proud of it when like i started meeting other bands like you know into it over it and modern baseball and pup who were just like younger who were fans and were doing something in a similar genre and they were getting called emo and i was like well these bands are actually really fucking good um and like you know i mean there's some good stuff in that kind of third wave but it, it seemed to just get kind of like I don't know corporate
0: a little Uh, bit. For me, the way I look at it is with current the current crop of emo. If people could see, I'm making the air quotes. Um, And every time I say this on a show, I always try to edit it out, but I'm going to keep it in because I don't care at this point. Okay. I think current emo kids are just too wimpy to go goth.
1: Uh, I don't know. I agree with the the a lot of the current emo kids are goth. You know, and everything in that kind of post My Chemical Romance thing, like being goth is is fine. I have found that the current quote unquote emo kids are like, at least as far as I know, like the kind of more underground stuff, is it like a lot of it's really femme forward. A lot of it's really queer forward. And it's like, that's really different than what we had in the 90s, which was like straight white guys. And that was yeah, basically yeah. it.
0: And, and they were um, all in, in blue jeans and black t-shirts.
1: Or khakis and white thrift store shirts and glasses like us.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and uh, they were all playing, uh, a good portion of them were playing black SGs. Uh, I don't know if that's because they were cheap. Um, I know a friend of no, mine had that's, one.
1: That's all because of, of it's all because of Ian Mackay, And it's all because of like, uh, that was just like East Coast hardcore. That was like, the SG was like the guitar. And so I remember very, very specifically in... 1998 desperately hunting down a Telecaster and they could not find a Telecaster anywhere, but Texas it was the only place Austin. I, I bought my first Telecaster in Austin. Cause it was the only place I could find it.
0: It's like,
1: so. I, I don't want to play. I don't like SGs cause they're top heavy, you know, like they right. just fall over. I don't like, I mean, I love a Les Paul, but fuck my shoulder, you know, like it's just brutal. They are heavy. And, uh, and I was just like, and no one plays a Telecaster. No one in punk rock plays a Telecaster. And so it's just like, all right, I'm going to do that. So I don't know. That's so now we're
0: gear talk. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm a, I'm a bass player. So, I mean, that's, uh, I know all about something heavy being strapped on. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it can be, it can be ridiculous. Um, uh, and what's funny is I learned from someone who like does a lot of prog rock and plays like with six string fretless basses and i'm just like ridiculous i'm like hey look okay but you know what though i learned the right way because while i haven't played in a while i can still pick up a bass and i know the fundamentals and that's what's important especially when it comes to you know the punk rock stuff as long as you know what you're doing you don't have to be super flashy because you just kind of have to hold it down
1: well you know, punk rock's like kind of like country music in that sense of that, like it's really music f- it, at its heart. It's really music for the people. Like it's really just like anybody can do it. Right. You don't have to be a virtuoso. You don't have to be like fucking Kirk Hammett. To you know, uh, you 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 really can just. It's like three chords and the truth. You know,
0: like it's just this. You know, it
1: it's <laughs> it's just it's just music for the people. It should. I, be.
0: I, I see a I see a Matt Pryor record coming out called Three Chords and the Truth."
1: I think that's something that uh, I think Hank Williams said that that's what country music is. is just three chords in the truth. Well, he's not wrong. No, He's
0: really not. He's really not. And there's other,
1: a- I've been, I, I'm a massive country music fan and like, and I've been getting really into like the history of it. And one of the things that like, I really see parallels between like, I mean, the, the way that like emo is sort of like uh, blown off, you know, like by, review like you know like it was. what's it uh we southern at home I got a two in pitchfork when it came out <sighs> and it's just like you know but it was still we were still pretty popular and nothing Hank Williams said he was just like the like why do people like this music that you make and he said one word authenticity and I was just yeah. like yeah <laughs> and I was just like that's that's what people got out of us too because we're nothing if not authentic. We cannot, and, we cannot fake it. It is impossible.
0: No, it yeah. I mean the 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 heart that was in so especially so many of the songs, especially the ones on Something I Write Home About, there's nothing but heart there, and you can't fake heart. Um, I mean, many have tried, but it's not at, uh, at, actors can. <laughs> can well to a to a certain degree uh, i think with actors but uh eventually they just end up doing all their own stunts and but this isn't the tom cruise podcast um no, it's not no so i know we've got to end now i'm sorry no um <laughs> you're the only um i don't know if they've done it privately but you're the only person who's come out of that scene in that era that has decided to put out children's records. Could you tell me a little bit about how that all came to be?
1: Well, I had little kids and I would make up songs to sing to them around the house. And then we would inevitably like, you know, watching Nickelodeon or or Sesame street or stuff like you learn about children's artists, like Dan Zanes and Zane or Zanes. I think it's Zanes. And you know, all all this sort of stuff. And you just kind of go like, so a lot of this is, Dan Zanes is actually good. He was in the Del Fuego's, but uh, a lot of it's really bad. Like, it's like, there was this guy, you know, uh, well, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it's just kind of That's like, um, I was just like, well, you know, I've been writing these little stupid songs anyway. Like, let's see if we can write a cool kids record. And it was the first thing I put out after the getup kids broke up so I, I i liked it as like a buffer you know of just that's quite like, the buffer no one's gonna be like it's not as good as a get of kids you know like
0: well i mean yeah you really can't nobody can compare it at that point you know um, and it,
1: it got it actually did it got really well received um it made a bunch of like best of lists and and, and stuff and i ended up taking a meeting with Nickelodeon and they're like, do you have any ideas for a show? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I was oh, like,
0: wow. I was like,
1: do you have any ideas for a show you need music for? Cause I could do
0: that. <laughs> like. What comes to you first that you say you write a lot. Is it the lyrics or the music?
1: Uh it depends. Like what, what the project is, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, when I do, uh, songs for myself, uh, I just kind of like, dick around on guitar or piano and kind of hum a melody and then sing it into my phone. And then when it's time to start working on a record, I go back through those and like pick out stuff that I like and then flesh them out and then bring them to whoever I'm working with, whether it's get up kids or another band or, or whatever, or just me. Um, when I do my uh, custom song shop songs that I do, uh, I I write lyrics first. I think that's what people are, are paying me for is they right. want personalized stuff so
0: and we'll I, get into that in just a second but i wanted to I, ask you You said your your oldest is now 20 she'll be 20 in april growing up did she realize who her dad was like did she like that was that like oh my god my dad's in the get-up kids or or was that just kind of like oh god dad kind of thing
1: uh it was i was never like an oh god dad kind of thing like it was just kind of like uh, it was just normal right right and to the point where, like, I remember going, taking my daughter when she was in her early teens and a bunch of her, you know, middle school friends to go see Frank Iero play here in town, the mm-hmm. guitarist from My Chemical Romance. And Frank's an old friend. And so, like, we're hanging out. And, like, all of these teenagers are, like, ah! you know, like, freaking out or whatever. And you like, what's up? My daughter's, like, it's just a guy. Like he's just at work, you know. Like, so I I think that's a healthy uh attitude to have. There was a brief moment when she first started playing in bands that there was a, a little bit of like your dad's who, and she still gets it from time to time. But in this town, it gets it's a small enough town that it gets around enough that I don't care about any of this shit. Right. So no right. One, no one's like weird to me about it. Like no one's like like nobody. Nobody fanboys me in Lawrence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, uh, they're all like, oh yeah, Pryor. Hey, Pryor. Like, you know, they know what I do, you know? And one, one year, a couple of years ago, we played a free concert downtown and like 6,000 people showed up. And it was just like a bunch of my friends were just like, oh, I get it now. I, that's what you do. <laughs> <They're just> like,
0: <laughs> oh, it's just, okay. Yeah, I get. Okay. Yeah. Now only 6,000 people, I mean, couldn't couldn't, uh, couldn't the couldn't the town do better? It's only like 75,000 people in the whole town, <laughs> including the university, which is like 35. Well, there you go. I suppose, yeah, that's true. Now, uh you are are doing this very cool thing where people uh I I saw the ad recently for the Valentine's songs where you're I know and I know it's not just Valentine's songs, but you basically you people pay you and you write songs for them which has got to work out amazingly for you because you you know for, since you write so much how did you get started doing that
1: well um bob nana uh, i had well I, okay so i I'd kind of like toyed with the idea because max beam from say anything's been doing this for probably a decade now mm-hmm. over a decade and it was just something he thought of and you know i was like okay maybe i should try that but then i was too kind of scared to try it in case it didn't work and then meanwhile bob from braid and Hey mercedes and then mark rose who was in the band spittlefield decided to launch a website called downright that was basically like a community of people where you could do just this you know like write custom songs uh for people and i did that for eight years and then late last year i decided to uh you know go off on my own and start my own my own shop that also would have uh, I started doing these like songwriting workshops like over over zoom and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so I wanted to have my own store that would have like the custom songs the songwriting workshops eventually we're going to get to a point where we're going to do like private live streams uh, but then it's also got all of my records and all of my shirts and all that kind of stuff in there too So, yeah, that's that's kind of how that that started. Uh, You know, I don't think it's too crazy to realize that like a lot of the songs that I do are ballads and love songs. And so Valentine's Day is a pretty busy season.
0: I can imagine. So thank you for taking time out because you are. Yeah, yeah. People are running out of time, folks, as of this recording.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's good. I I got it under control. I spend, you know, I spend time on it every day. I make time for it, you know. I'm actually probably once we're done, I'm probably going to record a couple that I wrote earlier today for, for the song shop. And yeah, it's a, it makes a really good, good gift. I get a lot of um, like wedding stuff, you know, uh, a lot of like celebrating spouses or like birth of kids kind of thing. Sometimes it's sad. Sometimes you get one for someone who died, you know, it's <laughs> always a bummer, but you know, it's 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 made me a very very quick lyricist.
0: I can imagine, and it's probably uh, because I've looked at some of the prices of some of the p- other people who are doing it. I haven't looked at yours. Um, it's it's a, a good way to sustain income, especially with the pandemic going on and tours mm-hmm. not being exactly what they are or should be, rather.
1: Well, and I, I've never really, like I said, like since my kids were born, I've I've always been like reluctant to tour unless absolutely necessary right and um yeah this has definitely been a good way to like supplement uh i mean when you're when you're a musician you're you're kind of a a, a hustler you know what i mean like you got to make any money you can where you can right um and so i i'm i i, I like doing it you know it's it's it's, it's all that matters interesting yeah, that's all that it matters. seems to they're... make people, I make people cry. Hey, <laughs> so, that's,
0: that's the best thing. That's the best thing, I think. That's is the,
1: to... best, the best email is like, oh, I gave it to my wife and she cried. And I was like, well, they, my job is done.
0: You just kind of brush your shoulder up like, yeah, yep. uh, I know what I'm doing. Uh, hey, honey, I made somebody else cry. <laughs> <laughs> a weird like... thing to brag about, but it is it is something I'm good at. But you know what, though, I think that that's a good thing about music, though, is that it can convey it's 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 much like a a smell uh, or taste where you hear Mm -hmm. something and it just evokes this emotion in you. Um, Like for a long time, the song Magic by Ben Folds Five, I couldn't hear that without thinking about my, my grandma after she died oh yeah you know I can't I can't uh think about I fall to pieces anymore without thinking of my mom who just recently passed and it's one of those things where you're just like and that's the big thing for me it's not like I mean I can sometimes I'll smell my dog my pat the duck that passed in the house and my brother's like that's not the dog it was grandpa's cologne it's like <laughs> I don't care it's how I associated boomer damn it let me have it that's funny but um, it's uh, yeah, music is so such a powerful tool. Well, and- it's a it's a sense memory,
1: right? You know, right. like the. Uh, excuse me. Um, like uh, you know, it'll it, it's why people like get can get in like a rut of like only liking the music that they listened to when they were in high school and college age, mm-hmm. because it's just like that was like such a formidable time of your life. And you made so many memories and it helped like form the person you were. And you were probably hanging out with a lot of friends and listening to a lot of music and you were part of a quote unquote scene. And so then every time you hear like jawbreakers like that for me, you know what I mean? You know, like, it's just like, Oh, it's like, I remember working at the pizza hut call center and listening to 24 hour revenge therapy, driving there, you know, and just when I was in high school,
0: I totally get that that's the way I am with uh with you guys and with mineral and with uh sunny day <laughs> um and just like and braid and it's just all these bands like this this mid the the midwest scene to me mainly because I was in the middle of it is is the best scene what were your <laughs> takes away from it I mean was there I mean I know I, I'm sure there were downsides to it but I'm sure you guys back in the day played a lot of house shows yeah and basement shows uh, and... we played a lot of basement shows yeah because that was uh that was a that wasn't including, including
1: the uh the, sl- the legendary slant house in madison wisconsin oh really mm-hmm.
0: how was that experience it was
1: a it was a house show but we <laughs> put there i mean the first time that we made it up to chicago we also played at the slant house with mineral and the promise ring and that was kind of the first time we met the promise ring i think it was also maybe the first time we met mineral but we had already started booking the tour we were going to go on with them uh, in the fall that same year but yeah it was was just a house (laughs) it it had steep stairs and into the basement and we carried an ampeg 810 down those fucking down and oh my god (laughs) <laughs> and Marshall, Marshall half stacks. You know? I
0: never, I never made it to the slant house. I made it to the Bremen house in Milwaukee. That was about as far North as I got.
1: We didn't, we never did a house show in Milwaukee. Uh, by the time we got to Milwaukee, we were, we were, had graduated the club. The places
0: with stages. Oh yeah. <laughs> what are these fancy things that people are below us on? Yeah. Did you uh, ever play the globe East? It sounds familiar.
1: I think so uh i've only played milwaukee a handful of times uh i've actually played madison more times than i've played milwaukee see that's the thing i I the last couple times in milwaukee have been at the rave eagles ballroom
0: okay yeah uh, yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. is where we were with
1: dashboard right before COVID hit in february
0: <sighs> yeah i was in no position to go to any concerts then at all that's when uh yeah but anyway so um wow that uh just the, just the thoughts just talking about it brings you back to like all those kind of kind of weird shows and like you see your friends bringing the giant ampegs down the stairs mm-hmm. and, and it's just um uh, it's one of those times when you you, you that's oh. when your life gets changed
1: i remember what you, were, you were asking about the midwest scene yes uh and i had a thought that i didn't say yet because you were asking about house shows but then i was thinking like you know one of the things that's interesting about you know uh kind of like the bands from this area is i don't think a lot of us were like rooted in hardcore like in the in the way that like you know the east coast like texas is the reason comes from kind of the quicksand and and helmet tradition right you know what i mean like and and midwestern bands were kind of more either influenced by like kind of more like classic rock or indie rock like we were more into like arches of loaf than anything and super chunk and stuff like that and so i think that, that that's something because the, then you get into that like you know up in up in the northwest they had a, a pretty ripping hardcore scene and then you get into that kind of like revelation you know records you know southern california kind of kind of thing and then you get into like the pop punk thing in southern california and it's just like we're not that either no, you know what no. i mean like but i don't know it's just kind of interesting like we're we're just like you know i mean at least from kansas being from kansas city it's like there's there's like one one of every at the time there was like one of every band there weren't multiple bands that sounded similar but we all played right. shows together so it would be like us a pop punk you know, an Epitaph style pop punk band, a Lookout record style pop punk band, a ska band, uh, a hardcore band. You know what I mean? And it was just right. like
0: and we were all just friends because all we had was each other. <laughs> you know? It was just like, yeah. I mean, and I also know what I love about the Midwest scene is that um, at the time it was much like the you know this the scene you're just talking about because braids nothing like get up kids promise ring is nothing like braid and get up kids you know and and you go on and on and on and then you've got like um bands like um uh monagra or uh, mm-hmm. Carso and stuff like that and they're not anything like and each other and that's what i loved about um about going up to milwaukee and just well, and it's, it's a it's a
1: it's a product of not having anywhere else to go because we didn't fit into any of the other, like really sort of rigid categories. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't traditional college indie rock, like, you know, built a spill or, or something like that. And it wasn't hardcore and it wasn't pop punk and it wasn't, I don't know what else. (laughs) It wasn't like classic rock or anything. Uh, It was just kind of its own, a little bit of all of those things kind of mixed into one.
0: Yeah, it's uh, everybody interpreted it different ways. Yeah, it was a magic, magic time for me at least. And I'm sure uh, there were magic moments for you as well uh, during that period of time. One or two, just a couple. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So uh, could you please let me, what's the web address to so people can purchase oh, uh, music?
1: It's just mattpriorsongshop.com and you can order songs. You can. Sign up for one of my workshops, you can order music, you can order merchandise, uh, you can write me a letter, I don't care. And then uh, I've been hosting this uh, Vagrant Records 25th anniversary podcast that's been coming out kind of sporadically, and I think there's only a couple episodes left of that. But uh, uh, if, if you're into that kind of like, you know, early 2000, well, I guess it starts with us in '99 if you're into like 99 to 2000 whatever fagment records scene dashboard saves trio you know hot rod <laughs> circuit anniversary all those all those guys then right, uh, right. you know give it a listen cuz it's 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 been really fun it's basically i get to talk to my friends and reminisce about shit from 20 years
0: ago nothing wrong with that at all <laughs> it's, it's better than what we're going through now True. Yeah. So I want to thank you so much for being on anytime you'd like to come back let me know. And you're more than welcome. You have the door is open. You have carte blanche.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm glad to do it. And I hope that you have a good rest of your evening.